0: episode two. We uh, well, Let's get started. I'm excited to have this conversation. Uh, I'll give a bit of background just to set us up because we had something else planned for today uh, for our second episode. Um, but I think something good happened out of episode one, which is something we hoped for when we were planning this podcast, which is community involvement. So we shared episode one with a bunch of people and um, uh, one, one person, a good friend of mine, reached out to Talk a little bit about it, give me feedback, and one thing she expressed is that she wished we went into the topic of freedom a little bit more that you know it it seemed like we were just on the same page, which part of the goal of this podcast is to is to disagree well, not necessary. the goal is not to disagree but but um you know find opportunities where we can tease out nuance where we might not yeah. agree, but also just go deeper into topics and she thought that the idea of freedom that you introduced last time was really interesting, but that there was a lot we left on the table in terms of talking about it. And so I thought, Oh, this is great. Like one of our audience members has some feedback, wants us to talk a little bit more about a topic. And that's exactly what we were hoping for is that this would spark interesting conversations. Her and I had a really interesting conversation about, um, some aspects of freedom we had discussed in the past and yeah. and so i got really excited to then just change our plans for episode 2 and and dive into this more um in particular cuz like i've also had this experience with other podcasts where i'll i'll listen to them they'll talk about a topic and then they move on next episode when like i yeah. wish there was some format where they could chew on what each person had said and then come back like i don't know about you emily but like I'm not a quick thinker on my feet. Like I need, I need time to stew or like digest things. And so, I I also want to experiment with this where, okay, we can have a conversation, and then go away, think about it more, and then have follow up conversations. Right? Not have it be like a one and done on any topic. So, I know. How do you feel about that? Is that what kind of thinker are you? Are are you quicker on your feet than I am? Maybe like do you like (laughs) that idea?
1: Well, yeah, I, that's an interesting question because I, uh, I think I actually do think pretty quickly, but I, but I don't know that, that, that leads to necessarily the most in-depth analysis all the time. Like, I think I really value having conversations who, with people who need a little bit more time to think through it because it encourages me. Like I'll say something and then I'll be like, yeah, I think that's right. I think I got it right. (laughs) Sure. But then later, if someone brings up a question about it, uh, then I spend more time thinking about it and I can usually find a lot more depth that way.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, I'm excited to see how that dynamic goes because especially in this topic, well, not especially, but I've got some new ideas on freedom I've been chewing on that might be a bit controversial. I they feel a little almost dangerous to me as well in, mm. in how I'm thinking. So I'm curious to get your feedback on it, but we'll, we'll dive into that in a bit, but maybe just to orient um, the audience a little bit. Last week we spoke about, uh, in episode one, we spoke about the purpose of education. And um, one of the things I really liked that you said was when you brought up, I think it was the Latin roots of liberal arts is essentially what you were defining so maybe you can just give the audience a brief reminder of what you had to say about kind of the roots of those words Uh, obviously we won't go into the whole purpose of education again but just the roots of those words and how they apply to freedom and this interesting idea of freedom of the mind
1: yeah so the way i was introduced to it was if you take the phrase liberal education Liberal means having to do with freedom, and education is from educare, which comes from leading out of something. So the way that education was always kind of presented to me was you're leading people out of kind of this bondage of ignorance into the freedom of knowledge. That's basically the, just the, the, I think the understanding that a lot of people have from the etymology of the words, basically.
0: Yeah, and we spoke a lot last time about just that idea of when you're A child you don't know anything and in a lot of ways you're not free in the sense of your own independence right um and like you you are dependent on adults for pretty much everything i mean you can see that in the most extreme cases of like a baby a baby cannot do anything on their own and everything is pretty much this progression from complete dependent to independent human being And you can think about freedom in that sense. So one thing I did as I was chewing on like how we could tease out this nuance as I, like I do with most things these days is I have a conversation with GPT and um, I start just bouncing ideas off of it because it does have a lot of information in there. And um, I, I asked it for the definition of freedom and talked about different types of freedom with it. And I thought that would be a good way to orient to like what, how could you classify kinds of freedom? And then how can it help us understand freedom in education? So I think we touched on this a little bit last time, but like one of the big umbrellas of freedom is like political freedom, right? That's just the idea of, you know, freedom from coercion of other people. You have this idea of certain rights that protect you from other people using force against you. And and there's kind of corollary freedoms, I think, that come out of it. It categorized it as separate freedoms, but like intellectual freedom, which is just the freedom to hold ideas. That's again, the only thing that could stop you from holding ideas is somebody else forcing you not to, or trying to force you not to. You have Mm -hmm. personal freedom, which is the ability to hold your own ideas and act on those ideas. There's economic freedom, which is the idea of disposing of your property as you see fit. So a lot of these freedoms that we traditionally think of are more related to freedom from coercion, I think. Um I, I don't know if you would classify those differently or if you have any other categories that you think I'm missing or didn't include.
1: Yeah, I'm well I'm curious about a few of those. One is I'm curious about intellectual freedom because I wonder I don't think someone can make you not believe something. I think sure. they can like maybe they could hypnotize you, but like and you can obviously like have manipulation, but I kind of, I wonder about that. That would just be interesting to talk about. Um, and then also, I don't know if this is something that came up in in your conversation too, but um, and maybe this is, maybe I'm jumping the gun on this, but the way I was introduced that specifically in that conversation about education, liberal education, was people made a big distinction between freedom from and freedom for. So like you're Hmm. free from coercion, you're free from all these different things, but specifically the education freedom element is freedom for. So you're free to, for example, like if you've learned to write a good essay, then you're free to write that essay well. Um, And it's also a big thing and kind of, uh, and this is another thing that would be interesting and maybe controversial in moral theology is the idea is that the virtues make you more free rather than restricting your movement, because they make it more possible for you to act in these positive ways. Uh, So I don't know, maybe, maybe that's sort of a tangent from what you were saying. But that's what comes to mind. No,
0: no, let's touch on that for a bit. Because that's, that is related to something I've been grappling with. And it's making me wonder about a nuance there. Like, is there, is it valid to equate freedom with maybe what I'm thinking more of is like capable. So what you described mm-hmm. as freedom from makes sense, right? And that is often in the political sense is like, and you know, that's where rights can get very confusing for people these days. This, yes. There's a a very blurry line between what a right is and whether it's a right to something, whether a right from something or, you know, right, right for, to, to live without coercion. So I think of, I guess this is an interesting question of like when you, when you equip yourself with knowledge, right? So you start to learn something and you learn to write, let's say, a read. Are you now free to do something, or are you just capable of doing that mm. thing? Um, I might need to look up the words and their roots a little bit more, but like, um, I, I, it, so, so I guess the only reason I bring it up is something striking me is like I think that seems like a valid like do we need to use words more carefully like if we just use freedom haphazardly we could get into trouble like one example i was thinking of is um of how people can abuse the word freedom is mm-hmm. you could you could put a, a nonsensical nonsensical sentence together like this like the government's use of force like the police is impairing my freedom to steal from you like right. you you could call that freedom but that's right. not actually you know that's not you don't actually have freedom to do that sort of thing so um, i'm I'm wondering if it's valid to say learning you know equipping yourself with knowledge now allows you to be free to do something whether you're just now capable of doing that thing and what you need is freedom from coercion to then pursue it i don't know if that makes sense that's
1: yeah that's really interesting i do think it's definitely true that that is the way that we use those terms in kind of the modern era is we use freedom for freedom for and we use capable for kind of like capacities for things that you're you're capable of doing. But I think that and again this is this is kind of a whole framework that I've inherited so it's worth examining more carefully and asking whether it's able to serve us now but I think that um Just to take the example of the stealing, it is actually weirdly related to this moral theology. So I think traditionally understood, it's like you have the virtues and you have the liberal arts and the virtues are more important and the liberal arts can kind of like enhance your life. But all of those things are oriented toward you being a more fully flourishing human being. And so under that understanding, something like stealing, because it's a failure, even though technically it's something that you do is understood to be the lack of something. Maybe it's the lack of honesty or it's the lack of, um, yeah, probably just honesty. I don't know what, what is stealing like a sin against what virtue would that be? I I guess. Yeah. Some sort of honesty or integrity. Um, so, and again, this is, this is how I think the terminology was used. It's worth questioning whether it can still be used that way. But I do think that in kind of the broader tradition that my education took place in, all of those things were considered as lined up so that you could really say, okay, your ability, let's say uh, my ability to, I'm trying to find another example besides deal. Let's Let's say I have a high capacity for lying. Traditionally understood, as far as I know, people would say that's not, properly speaking, a freedom. You're not free to lie. You are becoming increasingly entrapped in lying. And I think like psychologically, that does sometimes ring true as people become like, the more lies they tell, the more lies they tend to tell, they become kind of these perpetual liars. And they experience themselves like an addict as being less free, even though they're technically still making each of the choices. But that being said, that's to bring a whole lot of historical framework in here that it would be totally valid if you were not wanting to do No,
0: it. no, no. I want to kind of summarize what you said because I think there's something really interesting there. I think what you're saying, and and tell me if I'm misunderstanding, is that there are certain virtues we identify like honesty. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've got... I'm sure there are, some of our virtues will just coincidentally line up, but, you know, I think yeah. of honesty, integrity um, productivity or yeah. some of my virtues, um, that I live by, but, uh, you've got these virtues and the, the purpose of these virtues is to help guide your actions, right? On a day-to-day basis, you're trying to figure out how you should act in any given situation. And I think what you're saying is that, um, part of the reason for promoting these virtues is, uh, kind of in in service of this idea of freedom. Like if you don't, if you are dishonest, um, here's a good example. I think I I hate this about lots of TV shows. Like I can't watch TV shows where they've got like the protagonist who is like morally flawed. Right. Who, you know, this this happens a lot with like uh, a lot of criminal type shows. Like, I don't know. i yeah. a person that's otherwise pretty good hits somebody with their car and now the entire show is about them covering it up, right?
1: I hate and, those too. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, it just it depresses me. Like I don't I just yeah. I mean they're they they can be thrilling in a sense, but like the whole premise of the show is on you know, usually based off of like a cover up of some dishonest act of just like not mm-hmm. facing mm-hmm. reality. <laughs> but but the the main point I want to make is that you know, you can see how the, this person becomes a slave in a way to the lie, right? Mm -hmm. Every, every action now is about preventing this truth from coming out. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. the police are onto them, you know, clues are coming out and they, they start to do increasingly worse and worse acts from something Mm -hmm. that may have been just innocuous. Like, um, if you would have Mm -hmm. just like stopped and helped the person you hit, probably things would have been fine, but but because you did this one moral breach, you've now you're just compounding it and getting into the cycle. So, so I, is that a good example of what you're talking about in terms of like as you start to buy into a, a violation of the virtue? So, if, as you start to act dishonestly, it can very quickly become this reinforcing cycle that now you cannot get out of. That now you're you're stuck in. Um, I, I don't know. Does that resonate with what you're yes. trying to say?
1: Yes, definitely. And I think also, I don't know if this is exactly what you're saying. If we have the exact same pet peeve or if it's slightly a different shade of the same pet peeve. But I was just watching this show. I can't remember the name of it on Hulu. And it was that exact premise. It was like there was this girl. She was a teenage girl. She had a happy life. She like wished she was prettier or something. And then she walked by a house. It was like a sort of wildly unrealistic plot. And she saw another girl that she didn't like had been kidnapped inside the house. and She didn't do anything. And then the rest of the movie or, or the show is this girl doing these horrible things and lying about all of this stuff. But it struck me as unrealistic because it was like, oh, she's a perfectly normal, nice girl in every possible way. She just did this one right. totally sociopathic thing, you know. <laughs> and I'm always like, that's not psychologically realistic you know, forget morally realistic, you know, it just doesn't. And I do think that this idea that like, okay, the little choices that you make on a daily basis, they can snowball to the point that it's almost impossible for you to not lie, or it's almost impossible for you to not take advantage of other people, or I don't know, some other bad choice.
0: No, I think that's an important point. And I'm I'm coming around to this idea. It is an interesting way to look at it. Because I think in a lot of art in particular um we're given we're given these extreme moments like um mm-hmm. you know one thing my friend likes to uh remind me of and talk about is you know we're we're both big fans of Atlas Shrugged and in Atlas Shrugged there's this trial scene where one of the protagonists gets to act on principle and stand up to the government and mm-hmm. it's like this awesome scene and one one thing he likes to keep in mind is that um, most of the time you don't get those opportunities, right? Yeah. <laughs> you you don't yeah. get, those are not where virtue is made or, or lost a lot of the time. It is really like, I, I like to think of, I don't know why, but I have this analogy of like drops in a bucket. Like mm-hmm. your character is ultimately made of not the big acts. It's actually your ability to make the right decision in the big moments come from all the little decisions come from every, you kind of either accruing, you know, drops of virtue that add up to like this ability to have integrity and make right choices or Mm -hmm. the alternative. And Mm -hmm. just to tie that back to this idea of freedom and maybe being, you know, a slave in a way to your psychology, right. Is is if you make these bad decisions enough right mm-hmm. there is an element where it's it's a momentum in the wrong direction or good direction right like it's a lot harder to act on principle if you compromise all the time right yes. it's just like you're a hypocrite yes. or whatever you you've got internal conflict or external um hypocrisy that you have to contend with and so I, th- I think that's an interesting analogy. I'm a little reluctant because ultimately you're still in charge of whether you act virtuously or not. Right. So, Yeah. You don't want to get you know, too carried a, a key, away. Yeah. Like a key idea of freedom, at least political freedom, if we center it around that, is this idea of external coercion, right? Just because you're free doesn't make mean you're going to make good decisions, right? From a mm-hmm. political context, right? Like um, you might have political freedom, but you might still be miserable because- you yeah. don't make good decisions. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I want to be careful not to suggest that. Um, let me tie it in a little bit more to education. I wanted to share this with you. Uh, I'm going to read you a lengthy quote because one thing that my friend who I spoke with about this, Lisa Lisa Van Dam, um, we 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 work together very closely on education and have just been having some really interesting conversations over the last couple of years. On ideas in education. And one thing that's come up that's kind of disturbing to us is um, this idea of projecting adult values and adult ideas onto children and, and students. Mm-hmm. Um, this is particularly I've seen in like objectivist circles too. So I come from like more of the objectivist mm-hmm. side. That's like Ayn Rand's philosophy. And, and we've seen this projection happening pretty intensely there. Um, so I, I want to read you this quote cause I think it's, it comes from a very extreme version of that movement. It's it not, not have anything to do with objectivism. I want to make clear, this is, um, a movement called taking children seriously. Uh, I'll make sure we put a link to their website in, um, in the chat. Um, not no affiliation with Ayn Rand as far as I know. So I just want to make that clear, but, um, I, I read, I, I, I did, I came across them a few months ago and then I went back to revisit them in preparation for this conversation and I, I took out one of the quotes that was in their, like, about section that I thought highlighted a concern I have with this approach. So let me read the quote, and then we can maybe break down a little bit of it. And and I think you'll see why I think this is a weird application of the concept freedom. So here's the quote. Like other innocent individuals, children should be free. Free from incarceration, free from coercion, and manipulation of all kinds. Free to think their own private thoughts and free to say what they think, even if the powerful disagree, even if what they say is wrong or offensive. Free to be how, who, and what they themselves want. Free to act in accordance with their own conscience. Free to pursue their own interests and concerns rather than be channeled into someone else's paternalistic, pedagogical, or other agenda for them. Uh, Last bit is free to their own property, free from unreasonable search and seizure, free to associate with whomever they want to associate, uh, free to make their own choices for their own lives in every way. Um, So before I comment on that, do you have any initial thoughts? Like, Obviously, I've got the quote in front of me, so I can tease it out a little bit, but yeah.
1: My initial thought as soon as you started talking was this is just straight out of the romantics. It's like this idea that the child comes down that what's the wordsworth or whoever it is like trailing clouds of glory like this child is like this being that's perfect and you can mess them up but you can't improve them because they're perfect and they just get worse so that's that's my initial thought i have more thoughts but i want to hear what you think yeah i I mean i think what you're saying
0: is like the rousseauian noble savage idea right like yeah exactly yeah rousseau is like the quintessential one where he's got this idea that you are born perfect and all society does is mess you up. And yeah. And yeah. um no, I think you you're bang on and and that's that's a really interesting thing I want to tease out here for the next little bit mm-hmm. and I'll also introduce maybe a bit of a radical idea at some point too as I've been thinking about this in a seemingly unrelated topic that I will try and draw parallels to. But um yeah, I think what what stuck out at me as I read this is like the implicit assumptions in this. Right. So a few of the things I highlighted is like a, a, the language is interesting and I, I'm sure deliver the legal system, like mm-hmm. l- language, like, um, free from coercion, uh, unreasonable search and seizure. Like those are, I think, legalistic yeah. terms about like rights that adults have in a society or civil, civilians have maybe, or citizens have, I should say. And I think you're bang on with classifying it as like this Rousseauian idea because there's so think about all the assumption they're free to think. Well, that implies that a child, every child is capable of thinking. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, that, and, and if you watch some of the videos, I mean, they, they apply this idea to even like babies, right. And, and really small Mm -hmm. young children. So it, it kind of, Throws out the idea of a continuum of knowledge or like progression. And it's just like, you have thoughts, you have wants, and you have goals, all of these things equivalent to an adult, and you have a freedom to pursue those things. And I think that's the core idea I've started contemplating on is like, is freedom innate? Mm -hmm,
1: Um, mm -hmm. And maybe
0: here's where I'll introduce a bit of a radical Idea. I and I get. Yeah. I want to preface this for the audience. I don't know if this is right. This yeah. idea is right. It's very new. I'll I'll give a bit of background on how I start chewing on this. But I thought it would be a great opportunity in this podcast to take a risk and like be okay to be wrong and maybe say something. I'm a little concerned that what I'm about to say is horrifying. <laughs> in some ways or or has maybe not horrifying, like maybe has some implications I haven't seen yet that I wouldn't accept or agree with. I think that's okay. I think we should challenge that. Mm -hmm. like be okay to have those challenging. And obviously if I don't see a consequence of what I'm saying that I would just like, I'm very happy to be wrong if necessary, Mm -hmm. but okay. Let me stop pandering or going around it. So I've been, reading a lot about the American occupation of Japan. And I promise mm. I will make this relevant to, to what we're talking about here, freedom yeah. and education. But yeah. uh, for other reasons we won't get into now, I've been, I've been really interested in that topic right now. And I've been, I've been doing a lot of reading and in one of the books I'm reading, um, I'll, I'll summarize it briefly. And I, I'm going to intentionally put it ironically, but America had to force Japan to be free.
1: Mm. Right. Mm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm.
0: Um, you have this giant, giant war, right? Japan's been, you know, prior to World War Two, officially starting in 1941, they had invaded China and committed a lot of atrocities. And this was aggressive, an aggressive nation. World War Two ends with decisive victory on the Allied part, like in every sense, material capacity, military capacity, like every, America won, like they they won that war. And their goal at the end is to pacify japan and, and allow them to be a sovereign peaceful nation and to do that they had to impose certain things on on the japanese people they you know among other things imposed a constitution um they imposed certain rules of law they broke up monopolies um uh, in this book it's detailing everything that kind of went on and you could characterize it in a way of you know forcing them to be free, which sounds kind of ironic, right? And yeah. and like a oxymoron or contradiction or whatever you have you. Like, how, how can you introduce coercion uh to be free? And I think that's where using words needs like we're we're it's important to be careful with the selection of words and that words actually have meanings, right? Like mm-hmm. in the context of America and Japan, a Japan initiated the force, right? So there's, there is a you can't classify coercion as equal in all contexts. Japan was the aggressor. Um, there's, but but I think the most important thing that I'm taking from this is like, is freedom a gr- like a given, right? So in the context, and I will draw this back to the individual level, but like in the context of nations, for example, mm-hmm. does a nation have a right to govern itself? Well, what I'm realizing is I don't think so. Like mm-hmm. if you don't demonstrate a level of civility, right, be, a, a mm-hmm. big hallmark of what it means to be civil is not to initiate violence, like not to mm-hmm. use violence as your way of settling disputes as like choice number one, um, mm-hmm. right? I would see like there's other nuance in there, but like a really good litmus test is like, do you wake up in the morning and choose violence as your answer? Um yeah. As like a good line to draw between a civilized world and an uncivilized world is like a lot of what I think about when it comes to civilization in this particular context is like you don't use force, you resolve disputes using reason and using principles. And so if as a nation, you have to demonstrate that you've earned that right to be sovereign in a way like you've mm. you've. um it demonstrated that you can be a peaceful nation; that you don't resolve conflicts with force as the the first choice; that you don't initiate force, right, as the first option; that you respect other people's sovereignty, and then you you get that in return. And so, here's the potentially like, well, a I don't know if that idea, first of all, is 100 percent correct. So feel free to challenge that. I'll just tie it to you know, this view of parenting and educators and the child. And and this concept of, is freedom innate in a person? And what I'm wondering is if it's... It, kind of the, the, the line I'm thinking on is, it's not so much that freedom's innate, it's that you have the benefit of the doubt. So you have to earn freedom, and you're given the benefit of the doubt to prove that you can be a civil person. And in the context of a child, for example as a baby for like, let's start at the most basic sense of a child. They, they have no wants. They have no likes. They have no values or ability to think in the adult sense of those words. They have some desires, like they want food or, or they, they have an impulse to get some food and, you know, they have what you might call desires, but we should be careful not to equate those with the same kind of wants and values that adults have and they're certainly not capable of thinking and planning a course of action to achieve those things. So I guess a way, a crude way to put it is have they earned their freedom yet? And I don't Mm -hmm. love that way of putting it. I think that (laughs) seems wrong to me, but I want to throw it out there because I think there's something there to explore. So I don't know, do you have initial thoughts or where does your mind go on that as I, as I talk and let me know if you need more time to to think through it,
1: yeah, that's really interesting. There's so many pieces. I just started writing, writing things down. Yeah, this is a really interesting question because, okay, let's see. Where, where do I want to start with this? So you I want think to break question, it down. Maybe
0: like, do you want me to? Yeah. Summarize a couple of the points for. Or maybe we can tackle yeah, it. one. You, you got summarize
1: the. summarize that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've
0: got the general train of thought now. So I think it starts with this idea of uh i well I'll just summarize the first point you can let me know if you want to comment on it or we move on Perfect. one of the one of the first points is like being nuanced and specific or or accurate with our our terminology so I don't know if I would classify the first point as like America actually forcing Japan to be free. I think I intentionally mm-hmm. use that as like ironic language, but I don't think there is an incompatibility there, right like mm-hmm. Japan initiated force against the like many peoples mm-hmm. in the world and they lost their right to be a free sovereign nation and so mm-hmm. america was able to impose certain laws like the rule of law is almost like a prerequisite for freedom in a way there, there are certain conditions mm-hmm. that are required in order for freedom to to exist and so it's not force just like it's not forced to stop you from stealing from me right it's not like mm-hmm. i've limited your freedom in order to expose other freedoms i would just argue no, no, that's not a valid idea of freedom to say that stopping somebody from forcing other people is not the same thing as initiating force against somebody else, if that makes sense. So there's mm-hmm. kind of like a difference between the the kind of force you use to create the context for freedom versus the kind of force that infringes on freedom. Oh, I like that. I think that's the clearest way I could put it. Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't know if you have- Could you repeat that? Uh, repeat that last phrase?
0: yeah so I think force what that... I'm trying to get at is there is a distinction between the kind of force necessary to create the conditions for freedom, yes versus the kind of force that infringes on freedom
1: Yes, yes, I think that is a perfect a perfect way of sort of like summarizing all of these pieces because I do think that okay. So first of all, American foreign policy is very complicated, and I have a general sense that Americans a little a little too interventionist. And this is just like me just off the top of my head as a random American citizen. I don't know much about it, have not read about the the American occupation of Japan. Um, I'm often kind of like. Why do we keep on doing this thing where we go to other countries that don't have a democracy and say you have to have a democracy? And generally, like my inclination is to be slightly skeptical of that. That being said, what you're describing and what I think we do see in other situations similar to this is, yes, if, if there's a situation, for example, of human rights abuses or something like this, or, or as you said, like invading other countries, you do have a right and perhaps a responsibility to use force. And maybe not maybe America does have that responsibility because they have a lot of power. I don't know about that. So I'm just gonna like put that aside as kind of like Yeah, yeah let's leave we're foreign policy. analogously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, off to the side. like
0: and, and there's lots like I'm I'm not an expert either. There's there's major differences between America's conduct at the end of World War II versus let's say like the war in Iraq. And we're not going to adjudicate Rice. that here. So um, <laughs> Yeah. I'm
1: I, like, this I, is I'm, beyond my pay grade. I'm skeptical, but it's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, I mean
0: it would be very interesting to have a separate conversation just as it relates to the role of history in education. But um no, no. Yeah. Let, I wanna focus more on just the idea of freedom here and draw drawing a, a line towards um towards how, how that applies to children and and mm-hmm. you know just to give you one other kind of silly example maybe is like i think most people would say it's child abuse if you let your baby your infant be free if you didn't infringe upon yes. them yes <laughs> or impose your your will upon them by choosing what they want to eat and so mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know leaving it up to them to fend for them i think we would all say well that's mm-hmm. they're not capable that's abuse like exactly. what are do you doing so Exactly. So I think you used a really important word earlier when you first read the quote, which is, I think, romanticizations of things, right? Yeah. Taking concepts that we like as adults and romanticize, and then projecting those onto children is one of the most dangerous things I see in education, and it leads to really, really bad consequences. And, you know, when we talk about reading wars in the future, you'll see that to the nth degree. So, So, yeah, with yeah. that context in okay. mind... Leaving foreign policy aside, I'm curious. Uh, yeah, to get yeah, thoughts. and I
1: think yeah, the whole idea of can you force someone to be free is an interesting question, um, and I, I do. I'm tempted to say that this is true that you can that freedom is not innate to the degree that it that that just being a human being. Perhaps there's some baseline level of freedom because I do think most adults are capable of making choices. But you make a very important point, which is that. Below a certain age, children aren't really capable of making choices, and I would also add that a lot of adults with disabilities are also not capable of making choices, or people who are in a coma are not capable of making choices. And I think if we want to kind of tease out this definition of freedom so that it's more applicable and that so so that it's something that can grow, and also if we don't want to say you have to have whatever this type of freedom is in order to be a human being. Because there are some people who say like, if someone can't make choices, they're not a person anymore. And I think that's deeply problematic, you know? But if we tie, if we say all humans are free and freedom is just about making choices, then people who can't make choices aren't human beings. And that's a really problematic syllogism. And you'd think no one's doing that, but they are. Mm. So that's, now I'm kind of like taking different pieces of it. But I think, yes, I think that, If we think about it in terms of young children who can become more free, it actually could be that influencing their choices, presenting them with a limited number of choices, or even restricting their quote-unquote freedom in certain ways can lead to a deeper freedom and a development of something that's more like a capacity than it is like an inherent quality. Mm.
0: Yeah, I want to find a better way to put this because I, I something makes me uncomfortable. I, I said this and you just re- reset it too. I, I don't like the phrase "we have to force people to be th- free," um, right? Because there there are really perverted ways that can go. Like I in, in another book, I really love The Fountainhead. Um, one of the villains uses this example of, you know, stoplights free us from harm, right? They they inhibit us from like uh, crosswalk signs, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they stop us from walking out into the street. And so that imposition of force frees us from harm. And, and he goes on to then draw a connection. Well, using force can be liberating, right? And huh. now his intentions Insane. are, are more nefarious, right? His intentions yeah. are, well, I know what's best for you. And so, yeah. you know, if your goal is happiness, well, I can impose certain force on you too. So, so there's, this is why I think it's so important to to be accurate with now, with with language cuz mm-hmm. you can see how you can and Iran called this the package deal when you would take a concept and be a little fuzzy with with your use of the concept or the word and package in things that actually undermine it right, right. and so that's why right. I like that initial phrase of like distinguishing between certain kinds of force that are necessary for the conditions of freedom versus Mm -hmm. the ones Mm -hmm. that infringe upon freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't think it's that you can like, just like you were saying earlier, you can't force somebody to believe certain ideas, right? You can't. And and that's actually a big theme of Atlas Shrugged is like, you can't force a mind. Um, You can do all sorts of other things to somebody's body, but ultimately you can't make them believe something that they, they don't. It's just literally impossible um, uh, to force a mind. And so I don't think you can actually force somebody to be free but you can you can set the terms upon which people are going to live together right so you can say mm-hmm. you you can maybe a better way to put it you can force the conditions of freedom yes right so you can draw a line in the sand and say here's you know to live together here's this bar you have to meet and maybe this is how I tie it to children in a way is like I think we all accept that there's certain things like we don't decry parents for making decisions for their kids right we just know for example kids one one critical aspect of what uh, differentiates a child from an adult is long-range thinking skills right the ability to project desires into the future and identify that like yeah going to the dentist kind of sucks right now but Mm -hmm. it's gonna prevent my teeth from running out or like eating candy right now might seem like an awesome idea, but like, I also want to be able to run that race or play my soccer game next month. And so like, you know, we understand that parents step in because children don't have that long-term vision yet. Right. And so you can think of it in that way of like, until the child, like they're, they're kind of imposing some amount to, to, um, set the conditions for the child to be free. Right. right, the minimum requirement. So, what, what do you think of that?
1: Okay, so I think there's a distinction in there that I think could really be helpful, which is you use the word imposing. I'm going to try to see if I can articulate this. Mm. If we separate freedom from the ability to make whatever choices that you want, then restriction of choices is not a restriction of freedom. It's something else. We I don't know what it's called, and then perhaps that could be the conditions under which freedom can grow. And like you said, like creates the conditions for freedom to take place. And I do want to introduce this idea like, okay, maybe freedom is innate. Maybe we do want to say it's innate, but we also want to add to that concept that it can grow and increase or decrease. You can become more free or less free. It's not. So it is some innate thing that you have, but it also can increase or decrease. And then when you're imposing, I agree, we don't want to conflate to such a degree that it becomes like, oh, well, if you use force, that could actually be making people more free. I don't want to go that far. But there has to be, we have to make room for this kind of the parenting thing, where you can, what are we going to call that other thing? Because I actually don't think you're restricting your child's freedom if you don't let them eat candy three meals a day. That can't be right. You know what I mean. Right, so there has right. to be another term for that. They're not free to eat candy three days. That it wouldn't make them more free if they could eat candy three days a week, or if you left your baby to just find its own food. They are not more free.
0: Right, and, and I mean the the careful ground we have to tread, and I think we should make explicit because I don't think either of us believes this. But um, you know, there's been lots of examples in history where it's clear you cannot trust certain people to make this decision like or or mm, what i yes. what i mean by that is like it's yes. a very slippery slope to say that freedom's not innate and that right you right. know somebody gets to choose whether you've earned your freedom right. i I think, I think we got examples right. of slavery all over the world and yes. and like a lot of racial issues where um a, a group has decided that they must um civilize the savage right um right that's you know, I don't think either of us means that, um, and, and, and would suggest that. Um, so figuring like, yes, teasing out this idea of like, what is it that's innate? And that's why Mm -hmm. I've, I'm started entertaining the idea of like benefit of the doubt almost in like, Mm -hmm. just because like, just to again, play devil's advocate on maybe the more abhorrent views. Um, you know, if you do encounter a people of any race or culture, that does choose violence first right mm-hmm. it, you don't just let them do that right you you right you're not just because you, you don't you don't take the multiculturalist view of just like well that's their perspective that's their their version um uh of of reality you say no no hold on a second you can't if you if you choose violence i'm going to prevent you from doing that um stop you from doing that and and from that context you know there is a bit of an imposition of the requirements of freedom. But, but I do want to tease out, I don't know if you have thoughts, but like just this idea of what actually is innate Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. maybe what you think about this, this alternative between, is it more appropriate to see benefit of the doubt? Uh, Oh, oh, sorry. Something just clicked for me. I'll just share in connection to this. Um, Kyle Steele, who's head of school of Van Damme Academy has talked a lot about this. He's, I I really hope we'll have him on because he's a great thinker and he's, I know he's told stories about this in relation to his own children, right? Where he allows them to have certain freedom on a continuum. And, and I lo- and I'm starting mm-hmm. to like this idea mm-hmm. of benefit of the doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for ex- one, one example I remember he gave is um, he was watching his son play. I think it was on like a rock feature and he, he looking at his son could see his son was taking it really seriously, like was proceeding with caution. And the danger was limited, right? um You know, he might fall, but it was like soft ground kind of thing. Versus, like, another time he had his back turned for a second, he turned around and his son was like climbing onto like a railing of a balcony of like, like, and like <laughs> was not proceeding with caution. And it looked, and I apologize to Kyle if I'm getting this story slightly wrong, but I think it illustrates my point. Um, his son was clearly demonstrating a lack of caution and not an awareness of the consequences of what would happen Mm -hmm. if he fell over that balcony. And so he Mm -hmm. quickly grabbed his son and physically removed him from the balcony and like Mm -hmm. took him out of that harm. And so as a parent, I think, and I don't have kids, so I'm, I'm speaking secondhand here, but there is this continuum, right? Where you your goal, I think, as a parent is not to subjugate your 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 child forever. Your goal, I right. think, is to have them become this free adult. And what you do throughout the process of parenting is you're you're figuring out how to give them the benefit of the doubt in certain situations. And you're using the context of knowledge to figure out where the limits of that freedom are. And then you're equipping mm-hmm. them as much as you can to expand that sphere. So I love what you said about, okay. First of all, maybe it's not treating it like an either or thing. It's like freedom mm-hmm. is a continuum mm-hmm. that you grow in thinking mm-hmm. about it in the context of a child. That seems certainly the case. Like as you progress from baby infant with nothing, no skills, no wants, just desire to, to on through middle school, adulthood, etc., you're acquiring this capacity for freedom. Um, and It doesn't have this start. And and you can also then lose your freedom by behaving in nefarious ways, right? If you if you then Mm -hmm. as an adult, you know, you you've earned your freedoms, but then you do something, your freedoms can be taken away. So it's clearly not like this binary thing that we treat in society. We we have this progression. So yeah, what do you I don't know, what what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, I think the society angle is really interesting because I think we all do actually have deep intuitions about this that we can talk ourselves out of. You know, like, we've got a deep intuition that, you know, it's wrong to, you know, unfairly impose your will on another person. It's also wrong not to grab the kid when they're climbing on the balcony. Like, people know that. You know, there are some people who don't know that. So so I, I think that we're we're right to be appealing to that, to this general sense that people have. And I think we're also right to be making a distinction between children and adults. There are things that are okay to do with children that are not okay to do with adults, even though there is some continuity of the idea of, like, if you're endangering yourself or other people, we are going to intervene. And, yeah, I just think this continuum notion is really helpful because I think it helps tease out this sense of, like, yes, freedom is innate to the human person. It is something that we all have. It's very important not to deny that. It's very important to acknowledge that even if you are stuck in a extremely, you know, if you're in a concentration camp, for example, I don't know if you've read any um Eddie Hillisum, but she has, uh she has these beautiful journals and diaries. And she just says that she feels so free. And so she has this experience in this camp of like, they cannot take away from me who I am, and my mm-hmm. ability to love. So you've got that on the one side. And then you've also got on the other side, say someone who ha- is struggling with addiction. They're extremely addicted. It feels like they can't make choices, but on some level, I think we are all generally committed to you know it is possible for that person and it may be very difficult for that person, but it is possible for that person to make different choices. It might be gradual and not might not be perfect so yeah i think I think the continuum idea is really helpful for what we're trying to do here,
0: yeah, I think what we've we've definitely i mean made clear is it's so important to. Be specific of what you're talking about and classifying because, like, again, there's such a difference between political freedom, right? Which is the freedom to make decisions, even if they're not good ones, and mm-hmm. you know, say what you want to say, etc., think what you want to think, versus your state of being, your state of mind. Which, you know, I think the concentration camp example is good, is like you because of that principle that you can't force a mind, you know. Yes, you could be in literal jail or um, hell in terms of the concentration camp, but still hold on to your your own consciousness and your own sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. So there's an aspect that can never be taken away from you, right? So that's an interesting distinction, right, is also the idea of innate political freedom versus innate you know self-identified freedom yeah. or or self-imposed yeah. i mean to use your addiction example you know there is that other interesting concept of like self-imposed slavery and freedom right mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. if you go down that path of making those wrong moral choices or you know with a certain substance you can lose your own no one can be pointing a gun to your head but you have lost a little bit of your own mind ability to to right. pursue things right so that's really interesting, so, um, I don't know if we've uh come to any truths yet or or <laughs> i feel I feel a little bit more um i don't know wise than I was an hour ago um or or maybe maybe not wise, but just I've captured a little <laughs> bit more nuance <laughs> I, i've yeah I've I asked a bunch more questions,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we've teased out a lot of the the nuance there, and yeah, I don't exactly know what the answers are, but I do think it's helpful to have talked through, okay, this is what we don't mean, for sure. And also, I want to go back to the, um, the question of capacity that you were saying in the beginning, because I'm just curious how you think capacity kind of fits into this whole framework we've been teasing out. Um, because I do, I do think in certain ways, we are talking about a capacity. But it also feels like it's more than that when we talk about freedom as being something that's inherent. It's almost like the capacity element is the part that can go up and down, but there is an inherent something.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's, well, I get it. that's why I come back to this idea of benefit of the doubt, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's almost like innocent until proven guilty is such Mm -hmm. an important, I mean, you, you hear about how important that is for the rule of law in our legal system and, and right. how under assault that's been lately where right. people are pronounced guilty by public opinion before they have a trial. Right. And, um, that, that's what I'm starting to wonder about the idea of freedom. Cause I, I think just to use your example of intuition, obviously we don't make our at like we don't live our life based off intuitions, but they're not invalid ways of like a starting point, right? There's like, oh, there's this idea Mm -hmm. we have that seems intuitively right. So let's explore that a little bit more. There must be something there. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you use intuition there, like, okay, we know it seems totally valid to pull the kid off the the railing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Doesn't seem so valid to pull the gun away from somebody's head, an adult, right? Like, I don't think you could say you have a right to force somebody not to self-harm right? Or, or put the needle in the arm, right? Like, Hmm. um, you can, you can intervene with the child who's not even conscious of the consequences of of playing on that, on that, um, barrier or balcony. But, um, the adults, you know, we, we allow them to make choices of self-harm. And then the other thing, just on this idea of continuum versus innate, we also, I think innately know that like, if an adult behaves in a way that is, counter to freedom like if they can lose their innate right right like i mean some people might disagree with that but like we do put people in jail and there's obviously lots of questions or issues around that subject but like i don't think we believe that a person that has not robbed somebody and a person that has robbed somebody deserve equal amounts of freedom or
1: right and preserve their innate right yeah and just an aside on that too i don't know if we do I, and this could be a difference between Canada and America, allow adults to harm themselves. Like in America, there's there's like, there's like something called the Baker Act, where if someone is suicidal, they can actually be involuntarily hospitalized. Um, so I, that kind of adds some interesting nuance. Um, and I think people can probably argue both ways. But I think my, in my understanding, there is a level where you can say, if you're going to harm yourself or other people, you're not allowed to do that because you're a person. And again, that might be a whole different conversation, but I just wanted to like put a little bracket in there because I, I lost you for just a second and then I realized what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, let's maybe, well, let's at least introduce that. I don't know if th- this is a big can of worms that we should yes. open at some point.
1: <laughs> we're uh, but minute we, 57 we're, and we're- <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, we're getting a little long. So let, let's pin that one actually for another conversation, but we do need to get yeah. into that idea of like whether or not, you could intervene with somebody's um but it is int- sorry I'll finish that thought whether or not you can yeah, intervene sorry. with somebody's um um right to self harm but it's still mm-hmm. interesting regardless and we'll maybe we'll focus on this and end somewhere around here but it is interesting though that i think we both at least will acknowledge that's a more a more challenging question than whether you allow a child to self harm yeah right and, and i think a key distinction is probably awareness of consequences, right? Like, you know, I can imagine a much like a similar type challenging question would be a child that's very sick, that is suffering, who they then say, and prove to you that they understand the consequences, says they want to end their life, right? There, you could draw a more direct parallel to, to, um, I, I think that's more similar of an example to like a person with a gun to their head, as opposed to a child playing on a balcony without awareness of, you know, how high they are, are, are they, they are, and like, what's going to happen if they fall over? Like, I think we acknowledge there's, there's a, like, oh, here, sorry, I'm going to end with this. So mm-hmm. something just clicked for me. But yeah, you wouldn't say you're infringing on somebody's rights. Let's say they are, you, you see somebody walking down the street on their cell phone, and they're about to step right. in the street and get hit by a bus. Like, right. I can imagine that happening today. You wouldn't say yes. that you initiated force against them if you grabbed them physically and pulled right. them away from the street, right? I think right. there's an awareness that like um there is a m some amount of intervention you can do with your fellow human being when um you're you're you can tell that there's a lack of awareness of consequences. Now, I wanna be careful there because there there's some perverted ways that line of thinking right. could be be taken uh, again. Getting back to the whole civilizing the savage idea, like that is not the path I think this should go down. Um, but there is there there are some parallels at least where we can imagine how we would treat adults and children, and this nuanced way of treating their their freedom in relation to self-harm. yeah,
1: yeah. And I also think that um, it might. I think it might help clarify it to to bring down the risk of life, because I think at least for me, when there's a risk of life, I'm much more like I'm much more inclined to say you intervene to save that person's life. But I also think if you turn it down just a little bit, then I say, okay, say someone's making a generally self-destructive decision. Like, you know, my friend's addicted to smoking. My, you know, I've got this friend who always complains and they push someone else away, you know, and it's, are you supposed to intervene there if if it's somehow self-destructive? You know, like, and I think that that's where we start seeing okay the role of education of a child versus adults who it is not your job to educate them. Like, it might be your job to tell children that smoking is bad for them. It's not your job to tell your twenty nine year old friend that smoking is bad for them. You know, but again, there's a lot of context there, so I think they're really complicated questions.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really good suggestion is tone it down from the extremes. Like usually the yeah. extremes are not a good place to be making principled decisions from like, those are edge cases, but like, yeah. I like what you said. like just the idea of more, um, uh, maybe subtle ways of self-harm or like mm-hmm. eating candy all the time. Right. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: those aren't don't have the sort of immediacy of consequences as playing on the balcony. And yet right, we do make choices for our kids about what they eat on a daily basis. Um, Right. We do try to educate them on that, but we also acknowledge they're not even at the stage of cognitive development yet where they can necessarily make that distinction, right? They don't even right. they they might not be cognitively there yet to be able to decide that or or even be aware that eating candy every day is going to have consequences. It's just great. It's candy, right. right? Like Right. Isn't this awesome? Um Yeah. <laughs> so um I think we should wrap up there. I think, you know, this was such an interesting conversation i don't know if you enjoyed it i like
1: yes i don't feel like it's kind of fun to have more uh more to push back on you know back and forth
0: yeah yeah and i don't i don't know if i have come to any definite conclusions aside from i don't think i'm a monster for going down the path of some of the the ideas i've been entertaining (laughs) like
1: yeah i think it's really interesting
0: yeah they could have some serious implications i think we need to tease it out but i think the reason we should stop here too is just like for anyone listening, um, what do you think? Like, are there aspects of this you think are monstrous that you want us to tease out more? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one policy we we want to try and have on the podcast too is like, if you vehemently disagree, we want to have you on and like,
1: yeah, talk to you. Like, that'd be great. Yeah. you know,
0: um, hear other voices that might be able to, 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 like, entertain things. So you know send us an email we'll have the email in the the show notes and like the contact info on the podcast apps um but yeah we'd love to hear like are you satisfied with this conversation audience and like do you yeah. are there obvious things we missed that you think we should tease out more mm-hmm. um and yeah if if there are we'll definitely keep tackling them and this is a topic we can revisit i don't think one thing i love about knowledge and learning is like you know who would have thought that me reading a book right now about world war 2 would have something to say about freedom and and education. Right. So, you know, we will chew on this idea, I'm sure, uh, more throughout this podcast. So,
1: I oh, agree, and I think that's and yeah, I'm glad we introduced it, and I'm also glad we didn't, you know, say all right. So, for the purposes of our podcast, this is the definition. Because I think the more we talk to people, the more we tease out these conversations. If we keep this question open, we're just going to learn more and more.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well. That was a lot of fun. Thanks,
1: Emily. Yeah, that was great. Thank you.